Want to see the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. What if you took Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca, your host, and I'm thrilled as always to be here. And I'm psyched that you've tuned in. So if you are new to Talk with Francesca, I'm going to just go over a few things that you might want to know. If you missed part of the show, you can hop on over to my iTunes page where you can also listen to hundreds of other episodes of Talk with Francesca. If you want to know what else is going on, including upcoming shows, giveaways, etc., whatever it might be, visit my website, talkwithfrancesca.com. This show is sponsored by Kima Cosmetic Surgery and Anti-Aging Center in Norwell. When you will only accept the absolute best in your cosmetic treatments, they are your go-to center. Visit them at KimaAntiAging.com and tell them I sent you. Walk in looking exhausted, walk out looking 10 years younger. All right, I'm giving away two round-trip tickets on Highline Cruises from Hyannis to Martha's Vineyard. I'm looking for the 10th emailer, so send me an email at info at talkwithfrancesca.com and put in the subject line, Cruise to the Vineyard. I'm looking for the 10th emailer again, so jump on your computers now, and good luck. All right, enough housekeeping. Very, very interesting topic we have this evening. If you happen to be a smart, middle-aged woman who is done with this tired notion that we're supposed to be invisible when we know we are sexier than ever, then stay tuned. Because we're about to go on a fearless post-divorce ride with my guest tonight. For the first time in over 50 years, Leslie Morgensteiner put herself first. After having divorced for the second time, she realized that this chapter in her life was going to be different. As a a successful author, regular TED Talk speaker, Leslie felt there was something she still had yet to fulfill. Perhaps a bit selfish, she found herself empowered in dating after her divorce without strings attached. Lucky for us, she decided to detail her journey through the experience and put it all in her book, The Naked Truth. And I am so stoked that she is with us here right now. So welcome, Leslie. Thank you, Francesca. It's I'm really stoked to be here, too. I can't wait to talk about this with you. Well, last time we spoke about your book, Crazy Love, in which you shared your story about how you met and fell in love with the man who regularly abused you. Now your latest book, The Naked Truth, in a way follows up with your life after divorcing your husband. I mean, how, was that, how hard was the transition of dating all over again? Well, let me just clarify for listeners that this book, The Naked Truth, is about what happened after the divorce from my second husband, who wasn't abusive. I was married to him for 20 years. We had three kids together, but our marriage died a natural death. And I think the worst thing I could say about him is that he wasn't in love with me anymore, and he really neglected me pretty terribly. But it wasn't anywhere near abuse. So let me just lay that out. And so I found myself divorced for the second time at 49 and feeling unattractive and desexualized and not valuable as a woman after years of an unhappy marriage and really focusing on raising my kids. And I I realized when I got divorced that I had lost my marriage, yes, but I'd also really lost myself. Mm -hmm. And I I knew I couldn't find myself on a diet of self-help and yoga, even though I love those things. So I came up with this crazy idea of having five boyfriends for a year because I knew I needed men 
to find myself again, and I needed a lot of them. <laughs> and I wasn't ready for any kind of commitment. <laughs> why, choose, why did you choose five? I don't know why I chose five. It just seemed like a good number. Okay. I, you know, and, and of course, I never had five. Sometimes I had one, sometimes I had zero, sometimes I had ten. And also, they weren't really boyfriends in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wasn't committed to them, and the relationships weren't heading into a long-term monogamous relationship. They were wonderful men, but it was a no-strings-attached kind of um, encounter. And it, it wasn't just sex, and I didn't have sex with all of them. It, and, there, and there was nothing casual about it. I liked all of them. But I, I really saw them as a way to get back in touch with part of myself that I had lost. Mm-hmm. But what what made you decide to do this? Where did you come? Where would you at therapy? I don't know what. It, no, what? I, and I didn't honestly. It wasn't really like I decided. I for a while I decided that I was never having sex again, and I I was oh. done with men. <laughs> I was done with that part of my life. I just wanted at to be forty nine. Well, you know, I'd had two pretty pretty bad marriages, and I thought I'd been married for most of my adult life. I had made the best decisions I could make. I just thought, I thought, you know, I just want to be alone for a long time and maybe forever. And then I knocked over a guy's coffee in, in an airport. I and read that. Yes, that was funny. He was very flirtatious and he was 20 years younger and he really caught my attention. And I thought, well, I don't want to get married again, but maybe, maybe I'd like to get to know somebody like that. And <laughs> he's cute. That's what happened. So he, he sort of showed me the path and it was, it was after Dylan that I, I came up with a formal idea of trying to have five like him. Uh-huh. So tell us about Dylan. Oh, God, he was spectacular. You know, he was the, the best-looking man I had ever kissed. Um, and I was, it was news to me. That he made you feel young and beautiful, right? No, he didn't make me feel young. Oh. He made me feel old and beautiful. Oh. And that's a big difference because he was 29 and I was 49. And um, there was no hiding that I was much older. And he liked me because I was older. Oh, and really? that was the key. That was the magic of it. He liked my experience. He liked my life experience. He liked my sexual experience. Um, and he didn't mind that my body was not a, like a trim little 29-year-old pre-kid kind of body. He was very accepting and appreciative. And he made me see myself... In, with new eyes, and it was quite powerful. So, what was it like after living a life of, of a middle-aged divorcee? It scared you so much in, enough to start this journey? You know, it was it was crazy, and I was um, I don't I wasn't scared because I was so excited, especially to be with Dylan. Um, but you know, I I had no lingerie. I had no idea how to look sexy. I you know I had to go buy lingerie. I had to Google different sex acts on the internet because I wasn't sure I could do them anymore. Um, and I I didn't know how he was going to react the first time he saw me naked. I mean, it was really and that's the number one thing that every married woman asks me now. She says, "What is it like to be naked in front of somebody new?" Because you get so used to being married and mm-hmm. the comfort of mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that it was intimidating but also really thrilling Francesca because I, I I was getting back in touch with a part of myself that I had lost I hadn't seen that part of myself in in 30 years so what part and was that that you found the part that that I was a little more lighthearted about things the part that um, wanted to let a man chase me 
um, the part that could be, you know, I was, I was and am a very serious feminist. And I think one of the things that surprised me about being a feminist at, at 50 was that I saw that I didn't have to take myself or sex or men very seriously. I had sort of thought that feminism was very serious, and in some ways it is, but I was able to be really lighthearted and to, to say, yeah, I'm going to go meet this gorgeous man in a hotel room. We're going to have wild sex. That's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to do it with a bunch of guys, and there's no shame in it, and there's a lot of freedom, and it's my body, my rules. I was very liberated for the first time in my life, and it felt fantastic. Even though it was hard. I mean, I, I didn't know how to ask a man out. I'd never asked a man out. I didn't know. I, there were a lot of things I did not know, and I was very clumsy and awkward at first. But that was actually kind of part of the fun of it. But you didn't feel any guilt. You didn't feel any shame. You, not, a, not, a, right. not a trace. Now, what a, about your kids? How old were your kids? So my kids were older teenagers. Two of them, um, there was only... Yeah, yeah. One was still at home, um, but I had you know split custody with my ex-husband, so um, that sort of made it easier. And I told my kids that I I was going to date a couple of different people, um, and that I wouldn't introduce them to anybody unless it was serious. And that they, you know, I, my kids were focused on their own lives. They this was the last thing that they needed to think about was what their mom was doing. So, do you recommend other women in your same situation do the same thing? Well, not necessarily the same thing, because maybe it's, it's too much for some people. Um, but what I do recommend anybody in any situation is to see the, poten- the partners who are there, the potential partners who are there. Um, and I'm a heterosexual woman, so I, I speak in heterosexual terms, but I think this works no matter what your gender preference is, to look around and see who's already there. Because I think especially when you get divorced at an older age, you hear a lot of negative messages about yes. love and romance and your own attractiveness. Mm-hmm. And you hear that there are no men out there and you need to try to get married right again, you know, again, right away. Um, there's a sort of a desperation to it. Mm-hmm. And... I did never felt that, and I, I started looking and seeing the men who were there, and they are everywhere. You know, when you walk down the street, when you take a train or a plane or go to the gym or go to yoga or go to the supermarket, there are a lot of wonderful people right in front of you, but you have to see them, and that's what I would say to anybody is look and see the people who are already there. Uh, yeah, uh, a lot of women in uh, your age group would definitely disagree with that um, and, and feel that the only way for them to go about meeting someone would be online, and I assume you did not do that route. I did none of that. Um, I have since. I've uh, There were two men who I met, um, who I dated briefly online, from meeting them online, but the time that I wrote the book, I, had ne- I, I don't think that you need to do it, and I personally find it kind of artificial. I just mm. didn't like it. I like meeting people the old-fashioned way, that you see somebody who you're interested in and you strike up a conversation with them and get their name and number. Now, these are all things that I hadn't done because I thought I thought that sort of like a good girl didn't do that, that you waited to see what men came to you. And one of the liberating things about being older and confident is that for the first time in my life, I looked at the sea of men who are out there, and I said, I want that one, I want that one, I want that one. And I'd never done that before. And to approach men like a buffet and take what I wanted was really new. And some people might call it selfish. I don't think so. I think it's what men do for their entire lives. And I think, I think that men can learn a lot from women, but I think we women can learn a few things from men, too, because I think it's a pretty empowering way to approach romance. 
Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so, did you? Ha- did, are you religious at all, or was this? You know, did you feel that? You know, I don't know what your religious background is, but I'm just wondering if that played into it at all. I felt no um, social or religious compunction. I think one of the things that was key for me is that my mother died about five years before I started doing this, before I got divorced. Mm-hmm. I think if my mother were alive, I couldn't have done it. Oh, okay. Why not? I was so... She was a, a very sort of uh, traditional and proper woman. And I heard... My mother was magnificent um, and really pro-female, but... I heard a lot during my life that a, a woman never chases a man, mm-hmm. um, that it's desperate. And, you know, my mother didn't know what a prostitute was until she was 30. Um, she just was sort of sheltered and raised me that way. And I think that that sort of shame, I didn't buy into it, but I didn't want her to dislike me. So I, I think it was liberating that my mom was not around. But if um, your mom had been around, so you're saying that you would not have done this? I don't know if I would have or if I would have been able to do it in quite the same way, and I'm not sure that I could have written about it either. Because your mom would read the book, and then she would... She would definitely read the book. <laughs> so then... So then, you know, she reads so all you're, books. So at 50 years old, you're still looking for your mom's approval? <laughs> it's, it's true. I mean, I didn't know until she died that I had been looking for her approval for so long. Um, I had never not been looking for her approval. It was like wallpaper in my life. I think that everybody wants to please their parents, no matter what age um, you are, and that it takes a lot of self-awareness to realize if you're doing that. And I, I just never realized it. I, I loved my mom. I, I needed her support and her love, and it was, you know, it was terrible when she died, but it was also kind of liberating. Death Benefits is a book called that, I think. Yes, yes, I think that there is. Oh, oh, we've got to take a break. Okay, um, Okay. we do need to take a break. When we come back, listeners, more to come. Stay with us here. This is Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. We'll talk more in just a bit on 95.9 WATD. Do you remember the last time your vehicle was in that pristine condition? Angel's Touch offers full-service detailing and bodywork. Family-owned and operated with several packages to choose from, you can count on your car to be immaculate from bumper to bumper, undercarriage to sunroof. Call Angel's Touch today at 508-759-1111. Collision, detailing, and full restoration, because you can always trust an Angel's Touch. Visit them at capepodautobodyanddetailing.com. So what are you waiting for? Ladies, it's time to enjoy a new you. Stop hiding. Experience a tradition of quality results and a standard of excellence and service at Kima Cosmetic Surgery Anti-Aging Center in Norwell. The best-kept secret south of Boston, whether you're looking to seek enhancement, reconstruction, or skin care, Kima is the only place to go. Having been in business for 11 years, their clients include A-listers. Kima is the first clinic in Massachusetts to use Limitless MD, human umbilical cord stem cells. These are the first human umbilical cord stem cells created for cosmetic procedures used in combination with some of the most advanced technologies. 
have been to Kima myself and wouldn't go anywhere else because I expect exceptional results. So contact Kima today to schedule your consultation at 781-871-4200 or visit them at KimaAntiAging.com and discover the internal and external solution you've been looking for. Now, what are you waiting for? Looking for a unique experience to dining? Rio Brazilian Steakhouse brings an authentic Brazilian flavor with a great atmosphere to the restaurant scene in Plymouth. The interior is warm and welcoming, and the buffet style offers a relaxed atmosphere while offering fine dining with the traditional rodizio style from Rio, the heart of Brazil. Come dine and watch your dishes being prepared and cooked over the grill. Plymouth's best-kept secret, Rio Brazilian Steakhouse offers a full buffet daily, along with wine and beer. Rio Brazilian Steakhouse is located at 318 Court Street in Plymouth and is open seven days a week. For an unforgettable experience from start to finish, visit them at riosteakhouserestaurant.com. You'll be glad you did. You're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. The talk continues on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back. And my guest is Leslie Morgan Steiner, and we are discussing her uh, new book, The Naked Truth, which is a memoir. It's about a divorced mom, five new lovers, and one audacious adventure. Welcome back, Leslie. Thank you so much. So I'm confused here because I've seen a couple of different things. Are you, t- are you dropping the Steiner in your name? So for this book, I am publishing it under Leslie Morgan, which is my maiden name. Right. Um, my other books uh, were published under my full married name. Right. I know it does get confusing, doesn't it? I know. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why we have to take their names in the first place. But <laughs> anyway, so you said that some um, some people asked if, if the men were using you or if you were using them. But you said that they made you feel cherished in a way that marriage never did. How was that so? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing to feel the accusation, well, were these men just using me? Because I feel like, you know, this is adult consensual Exactly. And it's not something that men take from women. It's something that we give to each other and to ourselves. So I am positive that the men got something wonderful out of it and that I got something wonderful out of it, too. And it was what I hadn't had in marriage and motherhood. And... I think that the intensity of marriage and motherhood, along with juggling work and family demands, really resulted in me and many other women that I see, and some men, losing touch with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that our culture encourages us to lose ourselves in motherhood and marriage, and that, frankly, our partners tend to be baffled about how to help us and how to stay in touch with us. And so I lost all of that, and it was quite a hard thing to face that and to realize that I had no idea how to find it again. Um, and the book is really about a journey. It's not, I mean, there's there's sex in the book. There's There are a few things that are kind of shocking, I think. But at its heart, it's a story of a woman trying to find herself again. And I did. Um, and, you know, it was, society's rule book says that women who get divorced at 49 need to get remarried as soon as possible. And I think that this was was crazy advice, and I, I, I found it actually kind of demoralizing when women told me that, and when they tried to set me up with people who were a lot like my ex-husband. Um, I had a few good friends who, who show up in The Naked Truth who said, no, no, you deserve better. 
um, take time for yourself. And if this is what you want to do, go out and do it. What about your emotions, though? I mean, you know, it's no secret that once a woman has sex with a man so often, uh, she becomes so much more connected emotionally. Because, you know, I mean, men and women do view sex differently. So I guess my question to you would be, you know, how were you able to contain, compartmentalize these relationships and so that the emotions didn't get too out of hand, knowing that it was going to be a kind of a short-term thing? Well... I really liked all of the men who I dated a lot, um, genuinely liked them. And that... Well, of course you, know, you did, or you wouldn't have been with yeah. them, right? Right, but you know what, I think some people think that, you know, that, that casual sex is possible, and I don't think that it is. I think that there's no such thing, and I don't think there's... It, with there either, I don't think with either. men either. Yeah, I don't for think men so. either. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think that men get attached as well. And I'll, but I'll tell you that part of the reason that I needed more than one boyfriend is that I was afraid of getting too attached to one. Right. And I think that women do bond with mm. men if mm. they're having, if they're intimate with them. But I think it's what, if you're, what I learned is that you don't bond quite so much if you're having sex with a couple of different people. And um, that is... I, I was afraid of getting too attached to one of them. Um, I don't think that I would have because they weren't those types of guys. They, they were great guys, but I just, you know, they were younger. They were different enough that I knew I wasn't going to, I didn't have any illusions I was going to, they were Prince Charming, um, that I was going to live happily ever after. And actually that's part of the message of the book is that there is no Prince Charming out there. Um, it's a really destructive myth for women, and it's not fair to men either. Um, so oh, I the Cinderella really complex, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Wasn't there so a I book called that, The Cinderella, Cinderella <laughs> Complex, a hundred years ago or something? Yes, right, it's right, true. Yeah. One of the things I liked is that there was no risk that I was going to get too attached to any of them. But that's what I'm asking. Like, you were, you're, so easily you were able to not attach to them. Right, and what I'm trying to say is that I really genuinely liked them, but I wasn't obsessed with any of them. I didn't didn't make any difference to me if they... You know, called never called again. The next day, yeah, they all did call again, but um, well, I, of course, because you weren't that available. <laughs> right. I wouldn't have been heartbroken if they hadn't. And did and, they and know also, about I each think, other? You know, not the specifics, yeah. but um, they knew that I was seeing other people, and I knew that they were seeing other people. We just didn't. It felt sort of rude to go into the details, right? So and, and what about your friends? Did you feel that any of them judged you? You know, some of my friends I didn't talk to very much about it at the beginning because I thought that they might judge me. Or, mm. you know, they were married, happily married or unhappily married, and I worried that they they might be, they might just not understand. But I had a couple of very good friends who knew exactly what I was doing, and they, not only they understood, they thought it was great. And one of them had actually done something somewhat similar, mm -hmm. um, the character of Casey in the book. So she was the one I confided in the most. So why do you think they would judge you? Because it's an unconventional thing to do. Um, you know, there's a lot of slut-shaming in our society for women at every age, and it was unusual to, to wake up and say, you know what, I'm, I don't want to look for another long-term partner right now, and I want to go date and have a great time. It's just not every middle-aged woman who does that, and I think a lot of women would benefit from doing it, and a lot of men, too. But... Um, how I'm much so? more open about it now. How do you? Th how would they benefit? Because it's just so wonderful to feel so appreciated and sought after, and 
you know, I don't know if it's love that I got, but it was, I felt cherished, and I felt feminine and valued for being feminine and valued for being sexual. And that was part of my identity that had been really neglected for a long time. And maybe some people can live without it. I can't. And I don't want to be invisible at all um, at any age. And I, don't, I personally don't believe anybody ever wants to be invisible. I wanted to be appreciated and seen. And the men who I dated saw me and validated me. And it was, it was just what I needed. So how did you choose them? It was sort of like a gut instinct, really. I would, um, I would be somewhere, and I would somebody would catch my eye. You know, there was a man who I met in my yoga class who, um, he was really handsome, and he, there was just something very special about him, and um, he looked very interesting. And so I met him, and he is in the book. Um, Dylan, I you know knocked over his coffee in the airport. Um, <laughs> there was a young guy who flirted with me at at work, um, and he. I encouraged him a lot, but he was the one who made the first move. So it was stuff like that. And I, I have to say, this is sort of a funny thing. Um, I've met a lot of men in airports um, because I travel a great deal, and tra- there are a lot of men at airports. <laughs> and I think one of the things I've learned is that if you want to meet men, go you've got to the go airport. to where they are. <laughs> They're not going to just come and find you. If you want to meet men, go to the airport. It's, it's, uh, next time you go to the airport, anybody who's listening, look around. There are so many men there. And even if you don't meet any of them, it's a, just a good practice. It's sort of like the dating game. Look at all the men and see if any of them catch your eye. And try to think about why and what it would be like to go up to them and talk to them and try to get their number and ask them out. And um, It just is a good exercise. Were any of them married? Uh, not to my knowledge, no. One, the Dylan was uh, separated. He was legally married, but he was separated. And I think, you know, there are a few men who have lied to me about their marital status, um, but there was nobody who I knowing I, I was involved with who I knew was married. I just wasn't really interested in that. Yeah. So what were the differences uh, in the men? Oh, they were all so very different in every way. Um, like how? Well, the younger ones, the ones who were a lot younger, um, the thing I loved about them is that they were so interesting to talk to, and their problems were so simple. Um, you know, I felt like they could come to me with their, the biggest problem they could imagine, and I would be able to solve it in a few minutes. And they just, they were really appreciative. You know, they, they didn't have all these, this baggage. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't have, like, big financial problems. They didn't drink expensive wine. They loved leftovers. Um, they, you know, it's like younger men are great in all those ways. Um, and then I never really like compared the men to each other. I just thought that they, you know, they all had a little bit of a different story and a little bit what they were looking for. Um, some of them, um, and I really liked this a lot. Some of them were very open with me about what they appreciated about me. And there was one in particular, Mishka, who would tell me all the time just how beautiful he thought I was and how beautiful he thought my body was. And um, I remember there was one time where he was running his hand over my belly. And, you know, I have cellulite on my belly, just like a lot of women who've had kids and or a lot of women who haven't had kids. And he, he said, God, I love this part of your body. And I just thought, wow, what if I could see my body the way he does? Mm. How great would that be? And every time I look at the cellulite on my stomach, I think, look at yourself the way Mishka does. You know, that's a, there's nothing ugly about that. And it's really, it's so wonderful to look at myself with kinder eyes. 
So did you... I'm afraid to appreciate <coughs> Excuse me. So are all these men out of your life now? Um, no. they. Some of them are... I mean, I'm, I'm friends with all of them still. Um, friends and friendly, and some of them I still see. So, um, but you're not in a committed relationship? No. no. So do you want that again in your life? Uh, <coughs> believe me. it or not, I think I do. Um, well, no, I do, would believe it. Yeah, sure. Why wouldn't I? Well, you know, it's like here I am writing this book about how it's so great to date a lot of different people. But, and I liked that, and I still like it, but I'm, I want something deeper and more. And I think mm-hmm. you can only get that, or at least I can only get that, in a deep, committed, monogamous relationship where there's a lot of trust and a lot of intensity. And it doesn't necessarily mean I want to get married again. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but yes, I am looking for somebody really special who really thinks that I'm special too and who who wants to build something, a, a, a deep emotional connection with me. Was there a type of man that you were trying to avoid when you were looking? Oh, God, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to avoid destructive men. Um, I've had enough of them in my life. Yeah. I, I didn't want anybody with any big problems. I didn't want anybody who was mean um, or denigrating towards me or women in general. And, and I would say that the simplest way to put it is that I didn't want anybody who, who had a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, the men that I sought out were attractive to me. They um, were crazy about me, and there was sort of a simplicity to them in their lives that I wasn't getting into anything too serious in any way. All right. We do need to take another short break, but when we come back, I'd love to know what you have to say to women who are searching for their Prince Charming. So listeners, stay with us here. Don't go anywhere. More talk with Francesca coming right up on 95.9 WATD. Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com. Hey, long time no see. You look amazing. Thanks. I just came from my hair appointment with Thomas Negrelli at Rebel Hair Studio. Thomas Negrelli? Yeah, Thomas Negrelli. He specializes in cuts, color, blowouts, braids, and even makeup. I have been thinking about changing up my look. Then call him at 774-404-1872. Did you say that number again? 774-404-1872. Thanks. I'm calling him now. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terra Mia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy tutorial with stucco walls and beamed ceilings specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisines here, the atmosphere is elegant yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terra Mia Restaurante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing, and best of all, it's reasonably priced. This best-kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112 or visit terramiarestaurante.com. 
The South Shore's breaking news, weather, and traffic station. 95.9 WATD-FM Marshfield and 95.9 WATD.com. Now, for more talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back, and my guest is Leslie Morgenstein, and we're discussing her memoir, The Naked Truth. It is about her journey post-divorce. Welcome back, Leslie. Thank you. So, what do you say to women who are searching for their Prince Charming? Because really, I hear it's quite a jungle out there. <laughs> well, oh, so many things. Um, you know, one of the naked truths I discovered is that Older women, we need to widen our dating pool in exactly the same ways that older men do. You know, older men tend to date younger and to date kind of um, just to cast a wide net. Mm-hmm. And women need to do the same thing, even though it's, a, it's not the typical thing that you would expect to do. But we need to date older men and younger. Um, and I found that it's really helpful to seek partners outside whatever our traditional ethnic, educational, economic constraints um, were back when we were in our 20s and 30s and really searching for a mate. I find that one of the things that's wonderful about being older is that I'm not looking for a man to be a provider or to have kids with or to have a certain kind of career, that I can look more for somebody who I find interesting and who who sparks something in me um, and is not so traditionally appropriate. I also think that it's important to just face the facts that online dating is really tough on older women. Um, you know, even though more than one-third of marriages today start via online dating, the, the reality is that men's online dating desirability peaks at 50, 50 <laughs> and women's online dating desirability peaks at 19. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's pretty brutal to go and, and date online. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. Um, I think there are great ways to do it, but you have to have a really thick skin and just know that online dating is stacked against older women and that um, you have to be you know, particularly careful to take care of yourself and to not let the rejection get to you. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely think so, but... Yeah, what about sex for women over 50? I mean, you know, a lot of, um, you know, it seems like a lot of women aren't interested in sex after 50, and I think that is a turnoff for a lot of men. Well, you know, my subject is women. You know, all the books that I've written, all four books are about women, and both of my TED Talks are about women, and I've spent the last 15 years traveling the world talking to women and talking about women. And you're right that very few women approach aging and sexuality with a positive attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the data a is... A lot don't care about it. They just don't. Well, I don't know if that's true. Um, but the data is that they're not having sex. That women, uh, one-third of women in their 50s haven't had sex in a year. And that 50% of women in their 60s have not had sex in a year, whether they're married or not. Um, but the data also shows that as we age women get have much more intense orgasms and that we're more comfortable in our skin you know we know what pleases us sexually um we know how to please ourselves and so there's a comfort level that's important and i don't think that it, that women are less sexual i think women are a lot of women are much more sexual as they age but our society gives such a strong message that we we are not sex objects 
and that um, we should be invisible, and that we're, we're often treated as invisible. And um, it's really insulting, and it's a real turnoff. So Talk what I more found about that, that with this invisibility. Well, you know, there have been a lot of pieces written in the last year about women embracing being invisible and what a joy it is after menopause to not worry about being attractive. And I think there's great empowerment in not trying to please men. Um, And part of that might come in being invisible. But as I said earlier, I actually don't think that any human being wants to be invisible. I think if you're faced with being ridiculed for being older um, and being invisible, that people will choose being invisible and asexual. But I found in my own experience and from talking to other women that there's still a lot of gas in the tank when we're treated properly um, and that we're treated when we're treated as sexual and beautiful. And I think that it helps to find what makes you feel attractive. And for everybody, it's different. Um, but for me, you know, it, it, I'm really like quite cliched. I like to wear lipstick and short skirts and high heels. And if I have that on, I feel really attractive. And I think that I walk down the street in a different way and that mm-hmm. I get attention in a different way. And what I would say to women, if you want to be visible and seen, is find what makes you feel great on the inside. And use that prop to make you, you know, feel great when you when you go out, when you leave your house, when when you do anything. And you know, it's it's hard I'm, I'm it's hard for me to explain this that I'm not it's not a retro message like the answer is men finding us attractive. The the answer really is feeling attractive yourself, but mm-hmm. for me because I like men so much, part of it was <laughs> me too. getting them to notice me and that it feels wonderful to have them notice me. Did your father notice? Your father's not alive, right? My father is alive, but I don't have much contact with him. So I have no idea what he thinks of any of this. Uh, <laughs> so did you? So that's interesting. part of my freedom, too, I think. Oh, so, so that's interesting. So your father really didn't pay much attention to you? You know, I don't want to get too much into my father because it's not a, a very happy subject. Um, but um, my father didn't treat my mother very well. And um, I think that my father had a lot of misogyny in him. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not interested in men like that at all. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, mm-hmm. there are a lot of men who are not like that. So, do you, let's get back to sex a little bit. Do you think that yeah. these uh, statistics um, about women are related to menopause and the dip in libido? Well, you know, the thing is, after menopause, our, our estrogen goes down, so proportionately our testosterone goes up. Mm-hmm. And so a, a lot of women feel a surge of sexuality and sex drive and you don't have to worry about getting pregnant um and a lot of women you know feel much more sexual later in life and i think that's great and then other women don't um they you know they feel less sexual and also there are a lot of physical problems too that that come with aging and so sometimes sex hurts in a way that it never hurt before and that's really hard really really challenging Mm -hmm. um so you know it's complicated it depends what your particular situation is and what your age is and how menopause affected you and what your hormone levels are. Leslie, you talked about um, a number of different men. It sounded like the majority of them were younger than you. Did you date any older men? Not when I, not before I published The Naked Truth. Since then, I have dated a couple of older men, some, you know, 20 years older. Um, because, again, I think it's important to cast a wide net, wide net if you're mm-hmm. looking for somebody special. And, and what qualities do you think an older man brings to the table? Um, I don't necessarily 
compare them, I would say, you know, some of the obvious things is that they're just they're more mature, frankly. Um, and they, um, you know, I would say that the, the older men who I dated, the things that I liked about them is that they had seen a lot of life. And uh, one of them in particular was very well-traveled, so he'd literally seen a lot of the world. That was really interesting. I also, you know, I, my, I, I like men who are dads, and I like men who are looking forward to being grandfathers or who already are grandfathers and who are appreciating that. And, you know, you don't get that with a 29-year-old. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know, Leslie. I've never met you personally. I've interviewed you a number of times, but I don't see you with an older guy. I just don't. I know. You know, I, I think I'm looking for a needle in a haystack, and I, I couldn't care less if he's older or younger, but I definitely am looking for somebody really, really special. What are you looking for? I'm looking for somebody who I can have a deep emotional connection with and somebody who is um, an equal partner. I've never had that. It's what I've always been looking for, um, and I hope that I find it. And I might not find it because I really, I firmly believe that there isn't a soulmate, there isn't a Prince Charming, and that you have to be your own fairy godmother to be happy. You have to take care of yourself. And I, I like being single. I, I, there's a lot about it that I really love. I love the freedom of it. Um, I like my own company. And so although I'm really open to finding great men or one great man, um, it's nice to not be desperate. And I think that's another wonderful thing about post-menopausal age is that some of the, that feeling of desperation, like I've got to find a man, mm. somehow that, that dissipates. Mm-hmm. Have you encountered any women who had sex with several men after a divorce and then regretted it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have not found any women who regretted it at all. I've, I found some women who thought that they couldn't do this. Um, but you, they, you convinced them that they could. I, I've, tr- I've tried to. Yeah. Well, what would you say are the, the, um, the benefits? The benefits of, of dating a lot of guys? Yeah. Or? yeah, yeah. Well, if you were trying to sell someone on it, if you were trying to convince a friend who's recently divorced, and, and, and by the way, don't they have to also be ready for it? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, you didn't do this right away, did you? No, no. It took me a while. I mean, it took me a while of telling everybody in my life that I was never having sex again and I was going to sleep in my bed by myself all for the rest of my life and I was really happy about it. So you do have to be ready. But let's see. When The, the women who I have convinced are women who come to me and say, there are no men out there and I, you know, I had this one and then it didn't work out and I had this one and it didn't work out and this one and it didn't work out. And I stop them and I say, you know, why don't you just try to have a bunch at the same time? And then you won't really care if one works out or not. And you won't put so much pressure on the men and you won't put so much pressure on yourself. And you can enjoy them, what they have to offer, even if it's not a wedding ring. You know, um, you know I think that for me, marriage was so miserable that I, I, I'm kind of shocked when anybody wants to go find that. Because um, <laughs> I think it's a fairy tale. And, and I think it's much better to say, what, what do I need and what do men have to offer me? And it, different men offer different things. And it, why not try to get, a, as I did, you know, treat men like a buffet and saying, well, I'll get this from this guy and this from the other guy. And um, if one shows up who I really want to be with just him, then I'll do that. But I don't think it works to set out with that goal in mind. And I don't think men do that either. I think they wait and see who is attractive and how it develops. I think we women are are trained to be really single-minded on finding one good, loyal, monogamous man. And I think that's a great thing to look for, but at the beginning stages, 
you're not going to know if that per, if the person you're dating is that. So why not date a couple, a bunch of people at time? At the same time, it's actually much more efficient. All right. I'm curious what your advice is about going back to an ex just for a fling. But we do need to take a break. So when we come okay. back, let's talk about that. Okay, let's just stay with us here. This is Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. We'll talk more in just a bit on 95.9 WATD. Tides is beachside dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat, no matter what the season. Nominated for Best of the North Shore from North Shore Magazine for Best Alfresco Dining, Best Kid-Friendly Restaurant, Best Lobster Dinner, and Best Water View. Why would you go anywhere else? Whether you choose their dining room, a frosty pint at their bar, or a sun-drenched deck on Nahant Beach, they guarantee you great atmosphere with super food and service. Their menu is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out their drink menu for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with their state-of-the-art tap wines. They feature full-service lottery and kino. Tides is the place to watch any big game. They have over 20 HD TVs. At Tides, they specialize in casual dining with food that's just delicious, not pretentious. Tides is a fantastic restaurant anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. Your pets are family. Take your dog to the Dog's Den in Pembroke. Your furry friend will go from smelling crummy to yummy because Leah at the Dog's Den really cares. Whatever your pet's needs are, from dematting to extra scissoring, the Dog's Den in Pembroke has your furry friends covered. So call the Dog's Den today at 781-826-7008 or visit thedogsdengrooming.com. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617 or visit us at AnticoFornoBoston.com I'm Francesca Luca and you're listening to Talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD All right, we are back and my guest is Leslie Morgenstein and we're discussing her memoir, The Naked Truth Welcome back, Leslie Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So what do you think about having a fling with your ex? Well, I've talked to so many women who have reunited with exes. You know, exes from long ago. Um, Not ex-husbands, but, you know, high school boyfriends or college boyfriends or people who they were interested in in a different stage in their life. And so many of these end really happily um, because you have a lot in common and you have a shared history and a mutual attraction so I definitely recommend it and you know it's Facebook is a wonderful tool in reconnecting and I say go for it but 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 be cautious because what happened to me is that I reunited with one of my high school boyfriends who um, I had dated when he was 16 and I was 17 and the danger about that and what happened the risk for me was that 
I saw, I still saw him as that sweet and innocent mm-hmm. 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that he had had, he had accumulated a lot of baggage along the way. And I missed a lot of red flags, which is um, hard to admit because I'm a domestic violence survivor and you'd think that I would not miss any of these red flags. But I did. And I, for- I overlooked a lot of things that I never would have overlooked in somebody who I had met fresh. So I'd say be careful about that because there can be kind of a false intimacy with somebody who has come out of your past, and you have to be really careful and cautious. Not too careful, not too cautious, not fearful, mm-hmm. but, you know, don't miss the red flags that I missed. That's what I would pass on to other people. Speaking of being a domestic violence survivor, I'm curious whether or not this sort of newfound freedom, if there's any connection or it, it gave you the impetus to go out and sort of live your life and do your thing and say, I, I'm good to go and I'm going to live my life the way I see fit. Was there any connection yeah, there? Yeah, that's exactly, I mean, I think that's very insightful of you to pick up on that. I, I think one of the silver linings of having ended an abusive marriage mm. was that there was something in me that knew that it was okay to end a bad relationship and to shoot for more and to put myself first. That's probably the biggest lesson of crazy love is that when it came to a choice between my abusive ex-husband, who I loved very much, um, and me, I chose me. And I think that that's a great message for anybody, but especially women um, at any age, because we just don't get that message enough. And so it was easier to end my second marriage because of that. And... Um, it makes it easier to try to put myself first in a way that I think is very emotionally healthy. Um, and if I didn't have that in my background, maybe it would be harder to stand up for myself. Um, I think it probably would be. Yeah, I don't think women do put themselves first so often. I, I don't. I think we're not taught to, and we're taught that you know a really good woman, a good wife, a good mother. Um, sacrifices and puts relationships first before her creativity and her career and her wishes and her physical and mental health sometimes. And I think that's a really destructive message for women, but for our society overall, too. Why do you think free sex is still such a taboo? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, because I think that there are very strong elements in our society um, that where men want to dominate and control women. And, um, you know, I thought my first marriage, that's what it's all about. The abuse was about dominating and controlling me. And I think that there are some men, men who are not necessarily abusive, but who still are really intimidated um, by a woman who treats men like a buffet and and says, I want this, I want that. Um, Men want to be the ones who are choosing. And I don't don't mean individual men. I mean men and mass, you know, the collective unconscious of men. It works better for them if they get to choose first and they get to choose the women who are there with. And what I'm trying to flip in my own life and what I try to communicate in The Naked Truth is that we women need to do that too. We need to choose first. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I did that is allegorical um, is that I... You know, I've been driving this terrible minivan for years, um, and it smelled like dirty diapers and dog vomit. And I said, you know what? Enough of that. I'm going to go get a sports car. And that's what I did. And I'd never in my life thought, what kind of sports car do I want to drive? Um, and I went out and got one. And every time I get in the car, I feel great. I feel empowered, like I'm going somewhere. And I think it's kind of the same with looking at men. Like, what is so scandalous about a woman saying, I'm going to put myself first and I want to find a man who makes me feel great rather than vice versa. And if, quote unquote, free sex 
I don't even know what free sex means. I know, really. really. I know. Um, you know, I think that it's a derogatory term that means that you're sort of loose or, you know, like slutty or something. And to me, it just means that you're empowered and right. you make your own decision. Right. But, you know, and, you know, my body, my rule. Right, 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 right. But, you know, men do like assertive women, but not to marry them. They like assertive women because they find them sexy. You know, they like the tiger in the woman, you know, that, that sort of assertive, uh, you know, moving and shaking kind of girl. Um, but I think that they're also, at the end of the day, they sort of want that more, you know, the woman who maybe even uses sex to control her man. You think that men like that? Uh, that men like a certain... Wait, which one? Which part? That men like women who use sex to control them. No, I don't think men... Uh, well, okay. no, I don't think that... No, no, I don't think that men like that, but I think they do like the challenge of waiting. Well, you know, I often say to people, and people including myself, you know, you just need one person. <laughs> you know, I don't need to... I don't have to worry about what all men want. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need to find one who is a good fit for me. And I think that that what you say, there's some truth that some men like assertive women, but they um, maybe want to marry somebody who's softer and more submissive. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the right man for me. <laughs> no. um, and one of the things that I love about having written this book is that I'm so clear about who I am that it's a wonderful screening device. Um, because I'm only, after writing this book and putting myself out there, I'm only going to meet men who love sex and love independent, assertive women and um, love the kind of candor that I bring to my writing and to my life. Um, so I think it's interesting and, and worth talking about why different men like different things and why society in general places a value on sort of a submissive type of woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not that interested in, in being that myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, your children are boys, girls, what? Both, both. So, um, your daughters, are they, is the apple um, not falling far from the tree? You know, my kids, I raised my kids to be really independent. And when you do that, you end up with kids that are independent of you. And so, I would say that my, all three of my kids have some elements of me and some elements of their dad, um, for better and for worse. Um, but they're very much their own people. And my, my daughters are so different than I am. Um, and my son is very much his own person, too. And that's just exactly the way that I raised them, is to be themselves. So before we finish up, because we just have a little bit of time left, I do want to ask you about the younger men on the hunt for the quote-unquote cougar. What, what are that, your thoughts on that? That men who appreciate, younger men who appreciate older women or older women who are hunting for younger men? Uh, both. Well, no, the women who are looking for the younger men. I think it's very refreshing. Um, men do it all the time. Mm, you know, men... Exactly. You know, very openly, men on, on dating websites will, you know, a 55-year-old man will say that he's only interested in women 35 to 45. Um, so I think if, it's, if it works for men, why not have it work for women? Why not try it? Um, and I think there are a lot of advantages and, and things to be learned from dating older and younger. Um, and I also, I think it's really good for the younger men to date older women, too. I, in my experience, the young men who were interested in, in me, um, and I was not the first older women, woman who they were interested in, they were among the most confident men I've ever met. And 
I think that they learned a lot from dating me and other older women. They learned a lot about women, and I think that they'll be better partners once they settle down with somebody their own age, which is probably what they all will do. Um, I think that they'll be much, that they'll just, they've, older women are great teachers. Yeah, I, I'm just, but I'm curious about the, the younger men, like why they would choose an older woman. Okay, well, this is why, because I was really curious about it, too. So a younger man, it, it, I mean, it's hard being a younger man who doesn't want to settle down. Because women are so single-minded about finding a mate and getting married. And it's a lot of pressure on a man. And the wonderful thing about dating an older woman is that there isn't any pressure. Mm, because, right. in general, we're not looking to get married to them. We mm-hmm. might be looking to get married to somebody else, but we know we're not going to marry somebody 20 years younger. Or most, I mean, I knew that. I had no interest in that. So there's no pressure. Um, older women are more experienced sexually, so men tend to be interested in that and like that. Um, and I think that we give good advice and we um we have a lot of uh wisdom to offer and as i said at the beginning the younger men didn't make me feel young they made me feel old and but in a good way and i loved that but i think they liked it too they liked having an older woman to um experiment with um sexually um to pick my brain and find out what i thought about certain things um and they found it to be a turn-on not all of them i think that most men are not like this, but I'm really grateful that there are some like that, and there absolutely are. Well, you're a very intelligent woman, and you sound, Leslie, like you're having an absolute blast. Uh, what's your website? My website is lesliebooks.com. And so and anyone can, my, and anyone my, can yeah, pick anybody up... Anybody can do that. That's can. my Twitter and Instagram um, handle, too. All right, fantastic. And then Facebook, it's, it's Leslie Morgensteiner. And I'm, I have in my website, my email is on my website. Um, I love to hear from people and continue these conversations, um, men and women. And um, I'm very open about connecting with readers. It's one of my favorite things about being a writer is continuing the conversation that my books have started. Do you have any other books on the, uh, on the, on, that you're working on right now? Yes, I'm working on a sequel to The Naked Truth because since I finished this... <gasps> Uh, book. I, I've continued to date, and men have continued to give me wonderful material. Um, and I think there's a lot more to be said. Well, it's a very entertaining book. I have not completed it, but I have to admit it's very, very entertaining. I love you as a writer, too. I just, I really, I love your books. Well, thank you. I, people always say that they read my books in a day, you know, that they, they go really quickly. And I, I always try to write that way. I think it's important to be entertaining and to, to tell a good story. You know, stories are how we pass along information and knowledge. Um, we have, you know, since before we could read or write as a human species. So I think stories are really compelling. And I feel very lucky to be to be a writer and to be telling my own stories. All right, Leslie. Well, thanks again for joining us oh, tonight on Talk so with Francesca. Okay. okay. All right. Okay, we've, got to, all right. we've got to wrap things up. You've been listening to Talk with Francesca. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, spread the word on social media. Of course, drop me a note anytime at info at talkwithfrancesca.com. Until next time, bye, everyone. Summer feels upon your skin.